Okay, we on? Yes, we are. Good. Great. Thank you, Pastor. It's great to be here at First Baptist Geneva. See all you out there and uh, coming to worship the Lord. Um, we're just grateful for all that God is doing. So um, I work for an organization called Zim Zam Global. You see that up there, Zim Zam Global. And it's, you see underneath that, it says, we equip leaders, we empower children, we engage communities. And we're just an organization that um, equips pastors and leaders to establish new churches. That's what we do. And when we go into a country, we actually then work with those leaders so they can become the trainers. So we, we um, are just privileged to be able to come alongside people that live in the culture, train them to do the training so that they then can train others to, uh, train, to be able to establish new churches, especially in areas where there are no churches in some places. So one of the, our uh, vision statement is a church for every child. And, uh, you know, you have a good church here. Your children, children have a place that people love them and care for them and help to disciple them. And there are places in the world where they do church, but children are just kind of set, pushed aside. And we believe every church, every child needs a church. There are places in the world where there are villages, even in Kenya where I've been doing a lot of work, where there have been no churches because it's too far away. And they'd have to pay money to do transport. They don't have the money to get to a church in a nearby village. And some of the leaders that we've trained have gone into those villages, planted churches, and gone to the next village that doesn't have a church and planted church. And those children now have churches that are caring for them and loving them. And so uh, our ministry purpose statement is multiplying healthy churches among all people through children, youth, and families. So notice the statement has four key concepts, multiplying, because we train leaders to train leaders. Healthy is what we want, healthy churches. And through children, youth, and families. We have found that when you establish a church reaching children first, you can get a group of children easily. They respond to the gospel. And then you can reach their families. And we've seen that happen over and over again. D.L. Moody, Moody Church in Chicago, was started through reaching children through Moody Sunday, for Sunday school. So um, it's been done many, many times. And, and when the people take uh, the training, they... They develop, uh, the leaders each develop a strategy to plan to establish a new church, and that's one of the things that happens through the training. So um, we, we, the, another, one of the things that we talk about is why it's important is when you begin to establish and disciple children and they become strong in their faith, they are not vulnerable to many other things that could come along. Hopefully, they'll be strong enough that when they go through their adolescence and into their young adult life, they will continue to walk with Jesus. A very key thing, especially in Kenya, is Islam is trying to be able to get as many people as they can. And if a child is not strong in their faith, they are vulnerable to Islam. Because Islam gives scholarships to colleges. Islam will give uh, them people jobs and say, now that you work for us, will you come to evening prayers? And then they will marry people that are not believers and ask them to convert. So it's very important that a child is 
being able to put into practice the word, become a strong disciple, and not become vulnerable. 50% of the population of the world is under 25 years old. There's a need to disciple and reach young people. Here's where we are in 2022. I don't know if you could tell, but we're in East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania. We're hoping to be going into um, also uh, Uganda and, and other countries there. We're in also in um, Northeast India. And um, God has opened up a door for us there as well. We're um, hoping to expand uh, that West Africa. We're opening West Africa next month. We're going to have a team in West Africa in, in Liberia. And then we are in Northeast uh, India and then opening Latin America as well within the next year where we're training leaders and training trainers to be able to train leaders and pastors to start new churches. One of the areas I am really involved in is in Kenya, and you'll see that there. And uh, notice that there's a, a, like a border line there, a, a, like a rectangle box. That's right against the country of Somalia, which you know is uh, full of a lot of uh, militant Islam. And Somali people live across the border into Kenya. That, that when they drew the lines, the Somalia tribe, the Somali people were on both sides of that line back when they did the country. Well, we're having the opportunity through some of our partners to be able to train people in that area and have people come across the border from Somalia and be, take training to be able to establish churches in a militant Islam country. We just thank God for what he's doing. We had the privilege when I was there back in uh, April is to meet with the Kenyan Baptist Convention leaders. And this is their executive team. It was me and uh, the president of our organization. We met with them and talked to them about being able to do church planning training among the Baptist Convention of Kenya, which is the sister convention to the Southern Baptist Convention. So while we are beginning to uh, look through the plans, I spoke at the president's church. That's him there at his pulpit, his church there that's in the Mabasa area on the east coast of Kenya on the Indian Ocean, and uh, I, was, I was able to privilege to preach there that uh, one Sunday uh, just um, back in uh, J- July, uh, not just, not just a few weeks ago. And then we also had, uh, one of the things I was doing was uh, giving people a taste of what our training is. This is a gathering we had in the city of Maguri, where we're giving them a taste of the training, and we brought one of our trainers in, and I, my and our, one of our Kenyan trainers gave them a taste and said, would you like to do this training? And they said, yes, we would. We had 75 leaders there. And so that's some of the work we're doing. I had the privilege when I was also in western Kenya to speak at a, one of the church plants that was a daughter church to one of our leaders that started a church. He has a church in the capital city, but he also worked with a leader to help establish a church in a city called Mumias. And if you can see the lady in the tan dress, it's just uh, next to the lady with the polka dot. She has her head down. She is a former Muslim. That Sunday, she responded to the gospel to receive Jesus Christ. There are several former Muslims in this church. This is a very strong, many Muslims live in the city of Mumias there in Kenya. And what, what a great thing to know that there are, in that crowd, there are many. And even that morning, uh, that lady in the tan dress prayed to receive Christ and said, yes, I want eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about what a church does when um, they partner with a mission organization or a missionary, it's not what takes, 
what the church is doing for the missionary. It's, that's not what's happening. It's what actually is taking place is what God is doing through the church via the missionary to participate in bringing the gospel to all nations. Amen. So that's what you are doing when you are partnering. If you partner with Camille and Cami and the work you're doing, you're having a part. She is a representative of you in Thailand. Partner with me, you represent it with the work that I am doing in Kenya. It's what you're doing. And so you, um, it's not, not for what you're doing, but through the work that we are doing. But we report back to what God is doing to, show, to tell you, this is what God is doing through the, your support and what you're seeing God accomplish. And so that is really what it is. And so the, the whole thing is, Lord, how is he going to use all of us? Use me, use me to be a part of the work that we want to do. So what are some of the prayer needs that I have? Uh, I'm looking for, this is for me personally. Um, I'm going to begin pilot trainings in three of the regions in Kenya with the Baptist Convention of Kenya this fall. So hoping to get two of them done at least before the end of the year. We're going to be doing the trainings in the villages of Mahuru Maguri in western Kenya. Um, and uh, the, the, the Magori training will be a pilot training in partnership with the Joshua Generation. The Joshua Generation has, I believe it's like 40,000 pastors and leaders in Kenya alone and multiple nations. And so we're thinking this is a great open door. We're also working with uh, the Kenya Assembly of God because we work with multiple denominations, people who uh, preach the gospel, believe in salvation through Jesus Christ. We're going to be training their leaders to be trainers we call those facilitators in our, uh, in our uh, mission organization. And we're going to also be following up with independent Baptist networks and leaders that we've been working with. And that will be in the Mahuru training. And so uh, hoping to be able to see that happen throughout their network, which is all over Kenya. And uh, they have connections through other nations. All these groups do as well. So that's what I would ask your prayer for. As I even, I'm planning to go back. My ticket's bought. I'm leaving uh, September. Uh, 14th, I believe it is, and um, to be, go back and be, continue the work. The pastors asked me to um, share a word of, the word of God with you today, so kind of shifting gears here, going from what Zimzam is about and the work that I do there and that God is doing uh, through us. But uh, I wanted to talk about how that we can find hope when we're facing difficult times. Um, there is a, a psalm that many of us know, the beginning of this psalm, Psalm 42. And if you have your Bibles, you can look at this. And it, it shares with us something. that I love the psalms because the psalms are real. Uh, 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 many times it's just uh, uh, not God speaking to us so much as it's uh, the psalmist crying out to God. Many of the psalms are people responding and singing out, and psalms are songs, but singing out to God and crying out to God, and um, many times in praise and joy, but other times crying out to God and asking for him to help them through times of difficulty. And one of the things is it's great to be able to... Um, look at the Psalms and relate to its, our own situation. And we know the beginning verse, as you look at this, as a deer pants for flowing streams, streams of water, so my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. 
When shall I come and appear before God? But notice in verse 3 what this writer of this psalm says. My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? So someone's going through difficult circumstances. Even people are saying to them, where's God in your situation? And so these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go to the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festivals. So they're thinking through what they were able to do in the past. But now, why are you downcast in verse 5? Oh, my soul, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for, thinking again for the previous thing, I, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. But the reality is my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, notice how they, this person is feeling. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, this is what they're hearing, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And here's the prescription to this situation. Hope in God, for I again, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I imagine in this room there are people here that you have faced struggles in the last year. Some of you are still dealing with grief and pain. Some of you are going through difficulty right now. Some of you are feeling like, where is God? I'm hurting. We want to talk a little bit about that today. Last October, this is my five children and uh, my wife and I. And my wife of 44 years passed away this past October 25th. So I know what it's like to feel pain and loss and grief. And to say, God, I need you. I need you. So when my wife passed, all thank God, all five children, though one of them was in the state of Oregon, one was in the state of Maryland, living in Illinois at the time. And they were all able to get there when she was able to pass, they, they, that very day, they jumped on planes, the two that were gone. The other three lived in the area. And the five children were there present with my wife when she passed to be with the Lord. She knew the Lord. She, and um, so one of the things I have thought about is the passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel 29 and 30. And I, I'm going to ask you to maybe look at this um, and in depth later on, because it's a great, great, just both chapters, it's a, it's a great story. But I'm going to tell you the story, and you can look at it and verify the details of the story. But what happened was David, if you remember, when he was anointed king, Saul became jealous of him. And he had to leave his country. 
And he was estranged from his nation. And he had to leave and go live other places. And then David gathered with him like 600 mighty warriors that were hanging out with David. And so he, David was living among the enemy. Can you imagine it? He had to, it would be like somebody, some, like someone of us having to live among maybe some terrorists. Could you imagine? The, 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 the sworn enemies of Israel. So that's where David was living with his wives and children and these mighty men with their wives and children in these cities. And, and we see in, in 1 Samuel 29 that the, the Philistines, the enemy that David was living with, was going to battle against Saul and the nation of Israel. So, and they, the, the city that David was living in, the, the leader of that city, the king, brought David and his mighty men with them to fight Israel. And the other kings from the other cities from the Philistines said, uh, uh, no, no, no. We, we're not going to battle with David because what if in the middle of the battle, David turns and fights against us and starts killing us? And we don't know what's happened because ultimately they said, no, David, you got to go back. And where David was at was a three-day journey with his men. And so they went back, had to travel back. And after three days, in chapter 30, it says they came to the city where David and his mighty men and their the wives lived. And what had happened is another group of people, the Amalekites, had made a raid against the city where David and his men and their wives and children were. And they defeated the city because it was left defenseless. And they burned the city down. And David and his men showed up, and the wives are gone, the children are gone, and they're not happy. Can you imagine what it would be like to think that your wife and children are captured by some other people, and who knows what they're going to do to them or with them? So they were taken captive. We see this in chapter 30. They didn't kill anyone, but they carried him off. And it says that when David and the people who were with him raised their voices, can you imagine David and these 600 mighty men, they wept until they had no more strength to weep. They were really very, very upset and grieving the loss. They didn't know what's going to happen to their wife and children, wives and children. They have no clue. David's two wives have been taken as well. And then those mighty men started speaking against David. And they said, we're going to kill David. We're going to stone him. Because they were bitter about the loss of their sons and daughters and their wives. Now, that's a pretty desperate situation. Can you imagine? So what did David do? And this is a very, very powerful sentence in Scripture. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Not only were his wives and children gone, but his men were turning against him. And the thing that he knew he had to do is turn to the Lord and find the strength to face 
this very difficult situation. So what do you find when you turn to the Lord? I want to talk about that just for a couple minutes here. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, and 30 tells us about the heart of God. Jesus himself gives us and tells us very clearly what his heart is for us when we, in general, what his heart is for people in general. But specifically, uh, We read about this in, we're actually starting in verse 28 of Matthew 11. It says, come to me, Jesus says, all who labor are in our heavy laden, heavy burdens. Are you carrying a heavy burden? Are you feeling like life is just a labor and difficult? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here's what he wants you to learn from me. He wants you to learn what his heart is like for you. And this is what he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What does Jesus say about his heart? This is what happens when you turn to the Lord. You find somebody who is gentle toward you and lowly. What does that mean? Gentle means he is the most understanding person in the universe. Gentle means he's easy to approach. I mean, well, it means he's, excuse me, he's understanding. If you come to him, he's going to come to you with a heart of understanding. He's gentle with you. And lowly means he's the one, he's accessible. He's the one that you can come to. He's there for you. That's what Jesus is for us. That's when you turn to the Lord, that's what you're going to find. Now, I, as well, was continuing to deal with grief with my wife and the loss of my wife. So when I was in Kenya back in, in April, I was um, taken to this village to speak at this church, and this is where the church met, under, under a tree, under a group of trees. But that one tree is huge, if you could see that trunk of it. I mean, it's huge. And, cast, and so they have been for three years in this village in, in eastern Kenya, west of Mombasa, a very poor village. Many of the huts are mud walls, grass, grass roofs, what you would see in, back in missionary slides back years ago. They still live that way in this village, many of them. And it seemed like there was almost the whole village was there. I didn't see many other people walking around or doing it. I saw a few people, but... Seemed like the whole village was there. And very, these people are living hand to mouth, just trying to be able to get what they have to live in, but they're worshiping the Lord. And, and I was there, and they started worshiping the Lord with passion. They didn't have any sound system. They had some drums that they beat, and the beat of the drum sounded like Native American kind of beat. And they had a thing that they dinged with a uh, a metal thing that they dinged, and that, that was their background for their music. And then they sang with a passion of joy that just touched my heart. Amen. I thought, wow. And as they were doing that, as they were doing that, these, these people were praising God. I thought, well, this is a taste of heaven. 
And you know what happened to me at that moment? The gentle and lowly Savior was saying to me, that's exactly what your wife is experiencing only a million times better. I thought, I knew my wife was with the Lord. I was comforted by that. But I never really entered into the fact she is so, so happy. She is so, so full of joy. That's what my wife's experiencing. So it changed my whole perspective, you know, because sometimes you're focused on your own sadness. All of a sudden, God helped me focus on my wife's joy with the Lord. And that changed me. That was that gentle and lowly Savior helping me understand something I needed that would make a difference. And that strengthened my heart in the Lord just like it did for David. That's what it did for me. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to be able to do for you. You can come to him. Whatever your burden is, if you're feeling weighed down, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling like I, I, I'm trying so hard and I'm just not getting anywhere, Jesus said, come to me. I'm understanding, I'm accessible, and you will find rest for your souls. What a beautiful thing. Now, the thing that's very important is I have some really good news for you. The good news is this Jesus is accessible to every one of us. But there is a way that, that, that we can only for sure know that we have that. And that's by having a relationship with Christ. And that's the good news. Jesus offers us rest where we need it most, where you need it most, where I need it most. He's going to offer you what you need in your situation. But the first relief in rest we all need is from our own sinfulness. And the good news is that Jesus came to give eternal life to those who would believe in him. You know what that woman said that was Muslim that came to Christ after the message? This is what she said. She said, when you said that the scripture says that I can know I have eternal life, I wanted what, that, what Jesus offered. I wanted to know I could have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's the truth. You can know you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He is there for you. He, he will give you eternal life. That's what the verse you know, many of you know from the very young child. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The heart of the son when he came to earth was not to condemn the world, we says. He did, God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God's desire is for you to come to him and find his life, find his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And the good news is it's for anyone here today. God loved us. He sent his son because we needed to be rescued from our sins, all the bad things we've done. Jesus came to rescue us from that. He died on the cross, took our punishment. He was buried, and then three days later rose again. 
When we tell God we believe that Jesus did for us, did that for us, and we want to be rescued from our sins, God says, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. Believe and trust in him. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? How, 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 how do we do that? Because when you do that, you begin a journey with him, and he's gentle and lowly and can help you. But you know, the scripture says something very interesting. I tell you the truth. You must accept the kingdom of God as if you were a little child or you will never enter it. Everyone that comes to the kingdom has to accept it. How? You must, as if you were a little child, or you will never enter it. A lot of people, well, what does that mean? Well, I, let me give you an example of what that means. I was earlier this year on a hike out west with my, one of my family members, my daughter's husband. He lost both of his parents to COVID. We were doing a memorial service. So I was taking the children out of their hair where they were taking care of things. I took them on hikes, four kids. The youngest one named Hannah, a girl, five years old, was on the hike, and we asked for a little challenging hike for the three boys. And so Hannah would get to a spot, and she said, I can't do it, I can't do it. Paps, help me, help me, I can't do it. And so I'd pick her up and lift her over. Sometimes her older brother would pick her up and help her. And, she'd, and then she'd get to another, I can't do it, I can't do it. That's what it means to be like a child. God, I cannot save myself. I cannot do it. I need you to do it. That's what it means. And that's what we do when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what we do as believers every day when we're weary and heavy laden. We come to him who understands and will help us. And he will give us what we need and give us rest. We have to humble ourselves. Be like a child. Say, I can't do it. Help me. And God and Jesus will do that for you. He wants to do that for you today. He wants to do that for you every day whenever you face a difficulty. That's the Savior. That's what David found when he found strength in the Lord's God. And by the way, the end of the story was they got the wives and children all back. As God directed them to go after them. And they did. God is there for you. Come to Jesus. He will help you with what you need. But you have to be like a child. You say, I can't do it. We can't save ourselves. And today, even this very day, I can't save myself with what I need for today. I need Jesus today, just like I need him when the first day I trusted him as my Savior. That's the gospel we need every day. If you haven't come to know Jesus, oh, please come to him. He wants to be that one that's going to be there for you. And if you do know Jesus and you're struggling, he is, his heart for you is gentle and lowly. He's understanding. He's accessible. And you will find rest for your souls. Let us pray. Father, it's good to realize you are a good, good Father. That's who you are. Jesus, to know that you've told us what your heart is. Your heart is that you are gentle, understanding, lowly, accessible, we can come to you and we will find rest for our souls. Jesus, we need you. We need you. If we don't have you for forgiveness of sins, we will die without you and go to hell. 
But with you, we can have salvation and have life even here on earth. And every day we can experience that life in having you be with us and help us in our time of need. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We need you. Lord, I pray that we will be people who walk in faith, depending upon you, because we need you every day. Even as it says, we need you every hour. Oh, precious Savior, we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.